are you guys getting the, the support you need from the state? Is there collaboration from other counties and communities? What's, what's it look like in the midst of, of all of this battle right now? It's beyond anything I could have ever hoped for, Alex. I mean, from the start of the community level, people that uh, normally groups that don't necessarily get along, they've all dropped their, their differences. They've come together, unlike anything I've ever seen or thought imaginable. From Grafton, West Virginia, this is the Living Unleashed podcast. Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex Renneman at Unleash Tiger, and I'm here with Nelda Grimes and Sean Thorne, both of the Taylor County Health Department. Uh, guys, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you for having us, Alex. Hey, can you... Start just kind of telling us a little bit about what your roles are in the health department uh, and, and maybe what they've been expanded to or rapidly brought into with the emergence of COVID-19. Well, actually, prior, well, COVID-19 was around, but it wasn't in America, uh, except for a few cases in Washington. And on February 13th, we had a uh, meeting of our local emergency planning council and formed a pandemic response task force and started the planning, getting our, our H1N1 plans from 10 years ago out, dusting them off, updating what needed updated. And uh, so we kind of took the lead on getting a lot of this organized and planned from the well beginning. Um, we are currently in partnership with the Grafton City Hospital, actually running the only testing going on in the county right now. Uh, that's the removal unit at the high school. Uh, we're working with the Office of Emergency Management, linking in all the other government agencies and nonprofits in the school system. Uh, we host two conference calls each week where we're updating the community and the government leaders on what's what's the newest, latest and greatest. Um, also assisted with the school takeover from the food distribution with Project Hope and the Family Resource Network. Uh, we had our first run with that Tuesday, it was very successful. Um, looking for food donations so we can maybe get another one on before the state's food supply comes in next week. Um, so we've had a very diverse role. Yeah, for sure. And Nelda, what role are you playing in, in the health department now? Well, my job title there is public health nurse director. And at the current moment, I am tracking all of the tests that are being done on Taylor County residents. I'm communicating with all the providers um, about, you know, when the tests are given. And if the test results are back, I'm making sure that all that's flowing uh, into us like it should be. And answering lots of phone calls. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Um, and, and it should note it, both of you guys were, were I, I'm so glad you're able to come out of a busy, and you've got a lot of things going on. I'm, I'll try to be brief as possible, but I know people appreciate the information you're going to bring to us in this video. So thanks so much again for, for coming on. Um, in previous videos and interviews I've done with folks, we've really dug in on why it's so important to follow the guidelines, washing your hands, keeping your hands off your face, self-quarantining, social distancing, self-quarantining if you're sick. Um, is there anything you, you'd like to add to that at this time? <clears throat> Again, just want to reinforce what, what's already been said. Um, the importance of that is just the fact that it does last on surfaces and um, people touch their face thousands of times a day. You don't think you're doing it. I've done it myself half a dozen times today, catch myself. I'm like, Ugh. So just reinforce, try not to touch your face. It's hard as possible, but just try not to touch your face. 
I'm seeing a lot of people going out wearing masks and gloves. Um, masks are currently not recommended. There's some discussion about that. I would ask that not to take up the N95 and, and the uh, medical grade masks that the hospitals and the responders need. If you're going to go out and about and you're just looking for a barrier, these homemade masks people are using, a dust mask, um, use that if nothing else. But don't, don't, don't eat up the resources that the responders and the medical community need. And with the gloves, gloves are meant for cross-contamination prevention. So you put on your pair of gloves when you leave the house, you're touching everything that's potentially got COVID or other bacteria and viruses on it. You're touching stuff in the grocery stores. You're carrying the contamination. You're protecting yourself, but you're damaging other people's uh, ability to stay safe and clean. As well as when you're touching those gloves, you give yourself a false sense of security. And since we touch our faces and don't know it, you've got those gloves on, tons of bad stuff on it. You're going to touch your face with the gloves and contaminate yourself just the same. So <clears throat> I know they still stay for the gloves, but, you know, think twice. I would just like to add a couple things to that um, as far as, you know, within your home and your car, you know, clean your high-touch surfaces in your home and in your car, your steering wheel, your gear shift, your, you know, the door handles, and your cell phone. Um, your cell phone has, a, a, you know, you touch the cell phone all day long, and it has the potential to carry a lot of bacteria or virus on it. Yeah, that's a good point. And we were talking about before we, before we came on that, that, you know, the reality of, of folks are worried about the aerosol, you know, it being in the air if somebody sneezes, but, but, but it seems the data is showing it's more about those, those things land on something, then we touch that thing, then we touch our face. That's, yeah. That seems to be the majority of the transmission. So it's, if people say, oh, it's a big deal about washing your hands. That's why it's so important. Um, right. I can tell you, even in this interview, I put my hands in my pockets because never have I wanted to touch my face more than the last couple of weeks here. So yes. uh, it does take some, some personal discipline. Hey, what would you say to folks who are looking around and saying, ah, we've had no cases in Taylor County. Is this, is this all really, you know, is this distancing and all this stuff a bit much? I mean, what would you say to those folks? Well, first I would say, um, just look at the, look at the map of the world that's infected. It's in every country in the world. It's in every state of America. We've had deaths that New York city right now, the morgues are overflowed. They're bringing in refrigerator trailers for their dead bodies. Taylor County has a population of 16,903 approximately as of the last census. We've only been able to test 82 people due to strict criteria that's in place because of the limited testing supplies that the state and the private labs have right now. That's less than 1%. People can be asymptomatic, have it, not know they have it, not feel bad, walk around. That's why it's also important for the social distancing to stay at home is if they are asymptomatic, they could be out giving it to everyone else. And the test results in the beginning were taking 10 to 14 days to come back. That lag, we're still waiting, I believe, uh, now to 32 test results still. So, 36. So little data for our county right now um, that it's just, it's there. We just haven't found it yet. Yeah, so let's talk about testing a little bit then. So, uh, Nona, would you say there's, there's 36 still that are outstanding? Yeah, so as far as data, we've tested 82 Taylor County residents. Uh, 46 of those have been negative. We love that. Um, and 36 are pending. Um, so, you know, the lab has given us a way to test more people without the viral media that we needed before. That was the holdup before, and, you know, and they kind of got bottlenecked with the amount of tests, you know, coming from New York and California at LabCorp specifically. But, um, you know, the tests are starting to come back faster. 
Um, yes. So they're saying three to five days as of right now. So that's good news. Yeah. And, and as of the, the time of recording, I mean, obviously these, these numbers are, are constantly changing, but um, you know, you mentioned the shortages or, or at least the restrictions around testing. I mean, when, when do we expect, or do we expect, or do we have any kind of idea of when more tests will be readily available? I know there's some, now there's some talk of tests that can, that can tell pretty much, you know, with, within hours, 15, um, minutes. 15 minutes, even better. Right. So what do we know about how, when will that be coming our way or do we know? Well, right now, as, as the last couple of days, Dr. Slimp um, and, and the rest of the people in the state have been working in a task force trying to come up with a strategy, first off, to make sure that all of the labs in the state's network that we have functioning do not run out of the reagents that they need as we're testing now, as well as the best strategy to implement the rapid tests. There's, there's a couple of different vendors. Um, there's a couple of different strategies they're thinking about. I personally would like to see them send out to the counties so that we can like I said, test an entire county immediately. Um, but that's discussions that's going on in Charleston right now. We're just waiting for an answer. And, you know, we've, we've talked about on this program before, you know, if, if someone's feeling, feeling like they have those symptoms, you know, the, the fever, the dry cough, the, uh, the, the, the breathing difficulties, then they, they need to call somebody. They need to call their doctor. They need to call the, the hospital, uh, whatever it may be. Um, if, if, they, if they are directed to be tested, I mean, you mentioned at the high school there's a testing center. Can you explain what the testing process looks like today? Yes, once they've called the hospital at their uh, main number, 2650400, um, they just tell them they want to be screened for uh, possible COVID testing. They'll answer some questions. If they pass the screening, they'll be given a time to come to the mobile testing site. When they arrive, we have a site security officer at the entrance um, to make sure that they actually have an appointment. Um, those that don't have an appointment are directed to the process to get one and, and to leave the area because we don't want people coming in that we're not prepared for that might contaminate themselves or the site. Mm -hmm. So they pull into the mobile trailer area. Uh, they can either stay in their vehicle or they can get out into the sit in the chair under a tent. Uh, the whole process takes about a minute and a half. Uh, they're given some uh, packet of information that explains what they need to do for the 14 day self quarantine while they wait for the test results. Um, the swab is a flu swab up the uh, one nostril and then two other, uh, what they call nasal pharyngeal swabs. They, it doesn't hurt, but it's very awkward. It can bring a tear to your eye because uh, it kind of gets up in there. It gets up probably about right back into here. But the whole process, like I said, it's a minute and a half. You're back in your vehicle on your way home. At that point, we reiterate the importance of not contacting anybody, not going out to the community. Anybody that lives with them is in the same situation. They're self-quarantined. If they need stuff, they have people drop it off, not to make direct contact. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So could, can you tell us what, kind, you know, it, it, from, from folks outside of the system, we don't know. Are, are you guys getting the, the support you need from the state? Is there collaboration from other counties and communities? What's, what's it look like in the midst of, of all of this battle right now? It's beyond anything I could have ever hoped for, Alex. I mean, from the start of the community level, people that, uh, normally, groups that don't necessarily get along, they've all dropped their, their differences. They've come together, unlike anything I've ever seen or thought imaginable. From the state level, we've got the National Guard on three different fronts assisting us uh, starting today. Uh, they'll be assisting with uh, provision of our protective equipment, um, transportation of lab supplies, site security, and everything but the actual conduct conducting of the test at the site. Um, I'm also looking into some food, extra food from them. Um, state level, we work with a state lab. They're able to receive our, our couriers flawlessly. 
Uh, Nell just worked with all the different counties because people don't just get tested here. Some of them go to Ruby, some of them will go to UHC, some people go to Med Express in different towns. And so she's been able to have a wonderful relationship with them, sharing the information, making sure we know who's been tested from our county. Um, it's phenomenal. That's yes. And Nelda, I know, you know, you were talking earlier that I, we, we just mentioned a little bit ago, people say, oh, there's nothing in Taylor County, but there was a positive test in Taylor County, but uh, that was somebody from Harris County who came here to be tested, correct? Correct. Yeah, she's yeah. a Harrison, that person was a Harrison County resident that was tested through our mobile site. Gotcha. That's true. And again, not to give anybody false hope to, to Sean's points, you know, less than 1% of the population were able to test. And so uh, it's not like those viruses, uh, you, know, you know, on our borders, you know, um, so it's something to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so in addition to the things we're asking people to do, social isolation, um, the, the social distancing, self-isolation, those things, wash their hands, all, all the good washing your surfaces down, those things. Uh, we have seen some communities and, and some countries have the ability to do this more so than others because they're centrally organized or maybe it's a dictatorship or whatever it may be. But the technology's there. You look at things in South Korea, Singapore ultimately are pointed to quite often. But even communities here in the U.S. are having some benefit around contract, contact tracing. And Nelda, you mentioned that's kind of part of your role. Can you uh, share with us what we're doing at a level of con contact tracing? And just for folks, maybe even explain what contact tracing is for <coughs> folks listening and may not quite know. Sure. Um, well, contact tracing happens when you have a positive case. So once we, if we have a positive case, I'm going to keep it positive. We're not going to have one, but no. <laughs> if we get one, we will start what's called um, a case investigation where we'll fill out all this questionnaire, asking people, you know, about their symptoms and, and that. And then we'll start what's called a contact line list. And what that means is we will take from the date that they were ill until the day that we do the investigation. And we find out, we attempt to find out all of the people who they've come in contact with during that period of time. So where that becomes a problem uh, for anyone doing the investigation is if people are not staying home and following those directives, um, you know, and they're, they're out wherever they want to go, and then they come up with a positive test, it makes it much more difficult to figure out who we need to be in touch with to say that they may have been exposed, you see. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, if anybody did any contact tracing on me over the last two weeks, it'd be easy. <laughs> uh, but if I've been all around, that makes it hard. I see that. What about for folks now? Obviously, this this need is less when the tests are, are within 15 minutes. But right now, so we've got those 36. Again, that number is going to change by the time maybe this is posted. But of those unknown, are we? Are we? Is there also some level of contact tracing going on there? I know a lot of that could be wasted time because they come back negatives. Is there anything we're doing at that level as well? No, not at this time. Um, when they come through the mobile testing site or any other testing site, they're given instructions for self-quarantine. Um, and, you know, there isn't, there isn't a level of, you know, me calling you and saying, hey, are you staying home? You know, and until their test comes back positive or negative, then we let them know and we yeah. start the tracing. 
Yeah, I wonder. I, I know I had uh, Kevin Deming on earlier. It was, it was uh, Pastor Morgantown, who's, who I think really is almost a model for what happens if you start feeling like you might have those symptoms in terms of how he behaved. And uh, obviously anybody, if you think you have, if you think so much that you came in and had a test, certainly be away from everybody. Um, but yes. boy, oops, sorry, all, all of your household contacts also need to self-quarantine. I don't know that people are necessarily being told that. Um, but that was, you know, a recent development that I got from the state. Yeah, that, that you know, concern, right? If somebody's... Then, you know, your wife and your kids, for example, they should all stay home too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that uh, we give them that guidance that, that they all need to stay home and anybody that's in the household that they're, they're kind of locked down with them. The thing is, and, and uh, you know, this gets into a civil liberties issue, you know, there's right. no way for us to... A, know that they're complying, and B, enforce it if they're not. Yeah. We don't party. People were out uh, shopping at Walmart while they just got back from, from a positive test, getting their stuff instead of going straight home and having someone do that for them. And, you know, that's the one thing that we just need people to take it seriously and just follow the guidance and the instructions. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, the direct message to anybody who's who's came in for a test or feels they have the symptoms or or uh, certainly has tested positive, but the contact tracing kicks off then would be certain, maybe contact everybody there, there. I would hope there's not a stigma to this. I mean, this is this is there. There's nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong if you've tested positive here. It's just it, it got you. Right. So um, I would think we'd want you to be forthright and communicate with all of those that you've seen over the last several. How if, if, if I feel like I've got these symptoms and, and or, or to the point where I come in for a test and I'm waiting for negative. Should I get on the phone to people I've seen how many days ago? How, how, how far back should I look at my trail and, and contact and say, hey, I've got a pending test. Chill out. Isolate. Well, the operating procedure that I have states from the date that you started be, being symptomatic until the date that you got tested and then forward from there. Hopefully you will be self-isolating at that point, but... But yes, so the day that you started becoming sick is the day we will start looking for the contacts. How can those who want to get involved to help you all? You know, you're a small army. I know it's a specialized. There's a lot of specialized things here. Can folks get involved? Could they get on a call tree for you or something? You know, I mean, could we leverage our community who I know wants to help wherever they can? Um, can they help? Is there something they can do to help you guys in those in the contact tracing efforts, either uh, in pending cases or, or on positive cases? We have um, what we call the Medical Reserve Corps. So if we got to that point that our resources were, were taxed, um, which, is, again, at this time it's not, um, anybody that wanted to help, um, we would ask them to contact us to, to register as a volunteer, and we would definitely find something for them to assist with. I mean, they may not be, you know, neck deep in the investigation itself, but they may be doing, you know, basic, um, you know, phone calls or right. things like that. There are certain things with uh, privacy issues when you get into things that only certain people can actually work the investigation. They have to have specified training. There are certain ways to ask questions. But as far as developing lists and doing some paperwork and stuff, we would definitely have a need for, for that type of uh, an assistant. I'd like to add something to that. Um, if positive cases start to come in, we do have what's called the text illness monitoring system that we will use. People can opt into it. Um, if it becomes overwhelming amount of people, the National Guard is going to be entering those phone numbers into the system for us and um, watching 
you know, the responses to see how people are doing. Um, so we do have that available also. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, it, it feels a little bit like, uh, like a posse moment, you know, deputize some folks and, and do what everybody pitch in where they can. Um, hopefully we don't get to that point. Uh, but even now the, the concern would be, I guess, if these, these pending cases were going to be positive and they, what they were doing in between, that's the scary thing. But uh, yeah, that is the balance. That's the challenge in these things in a, in a country like America, where we do have civil liberties and civil rights versus a Singapore or other places. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a real challenge you guys are up against. What else are we doing at the, the, the county level to prevent, prepare, treat, recover from this pandemic that you guys can share with us that people may just be curious to, to want to know about? Well, the big thing we're doing is, um, like I said, we dusted the plans off that were over 10 years old, and we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. We never even thought we would see anything like this in our lifetime. So um, as, as we're working day by day, we are constantly updating and changing our plans that for the future, and I just saw today on the news that China has opened back up their, their wet food markets, um, which is a major source of not just this virus, but many other throughout the history. So there's going to be something else coming down the pike five years from now, 10 years from now. This daily right now, we're real world experience. I mean, planning, tabletop, planning scenarios. We're now able to take the real world experience and, and develop a viable plan for the future. What, what do you need from folks right now? What do you need from either the government or the citizens? What do you, what, what, or maybe, yeah, what do you need? What, what is it that we can provide? Biggest thing is cooperation, the continued cooperation. We've had great cooperation from businesses implementing the guidances as best they can. We've had pretty good compliance yes. from, the, from the citizens and the community as far as the, the self-isolation. I mean, I do see some people, you know, kind of not doing best practices, but just that continued cooperation and, um, when the time comes, because it will come, you know, we will need not necessarily in the health department's primary mission, but these other things we're involved with, with food distribution and other emergency services, we're going to need more volunteers down the road. So those that are able to, you know, we're going to need you. And the ones that I've had so far, I've, I've had a team of volunteer nurses, uh, volunteer couriers. Um, when this is all said and done, I honestly think I'm going to probably try to sponsor a community picnic to honor all these people that have stepped forward and just given of their own personal sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. All of our providers too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you won't be alone in that. Um, what, what is your biggest frustration right now? The ability, not the, the inability to test as many people as I would like to test. Gotcha. Yes. Nailed, I see you nodding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about, well, good. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just how about, <laughs> yeah. How about your, your, what's, what's, what's encouraged you the most throughout this process so far? Well, for me, you know, it's just, everyone's been coming together and, you know, we've gotten so many, you know, donations and kudos. And, you know, I just think that this is a time where this needs to happen and it's, and people really want to help and they want to come together. And I think that's great. Gotcha. John. I concur. Um, I just hope that when this is over that we don't see like we have in the past. I hope this, this cooperation, this openness, this, this, this community just coming together. We didn't wait for the government to come. I mean, I know I am part of the government, but right. not, not that level. We didn't wait for the government to come to our aid. We were proactive before anything was going on. We were the first in the state to do this as a community, as, as citizens, the county, the city stepped up just, selflessly giving when they could 
I hope that continues even after the, the disaster is over so that we can just continue this and rebuild our community. Yes. And so if somebody does want to help, where do they, who do they reach out to? How do they reach out to say, I, I, I'll volunteer to do something, uh, whatever it may be? Who, who should they call? Have them call the health department. Our number is 265-1288. Okay. Let them know that they're calling to, to be a volunteer. Um, our clerk will take their name and their contact information and get that to me. And as soon as humanly possible, I will reach out to them and get them through the process. There's a couple of things I have to go over as far as non-disclosures and stuff like that. Um, takes about 15 minutes and then we'll get them pointed in the right direction. Great. And then from information, they just want to know about testing statistics or, or news that you're wanting to put out. Maybe there's some new, um, new, new data that's come out in terms of how the virus works or whatever. Where should they go? For local information, I, I recommend our health department site, the city Grafton site, the Mountain Statesman. We're all partnered in a joint information uh, command that we have all of our local information. Um, channel 5, Channel 12, as great as they are sometimes, doesn't necessarily get the clear facts and some bad information got out there a couple of times so far about us. Um, so if you want the local information that's the most true and factual, look for those sources. Uh, for the state and the national level, the uh, state has their coronavirus.wb.gov site, and there you can get the statistics. We haven't posted our county statistics up there. Um, I'm kind of a superstitious thing. I thought if I put that up there, it's just, you know, just tempting fate to come at me. But uh, the state does have the, the, the statistics as to how many are, are pending, how many are, are uh, negative, how many are positive, how many deaths we've had, unfortunately, still one, um, which counties have it, which, again, we're not listed there. As soon as we do get a positive, our county statistics will be listed there. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, this is, this is one of those things. I mean, it's gone through. It's obviously it's killed thousands of people already. And so it's a horrible thing, but I always try to find the silver lining or something to be grateful for. And we've mentioned a couple things on this call, whether it's the collaboration, whether it's being prepared for future uh, pandemics that will come at some point or another. What, what do you guys, what do you guys point to to say, here's a silver lining or here's something I'm, I'm at least grateful for uh, because of all this or through all of this? Well, again, what you, what you said that we've already mentioned, you know, the, the faith and the hope and, and the come together cooperation of the community and the fact that, I, that this makes me more than ever proud to be a West Virginian, to be a mountaineer because of our more rural nature, even at its worst, we're not going to see the level of impact and damage and suffering like the major urban areas like New York and California are seeing. Yeah, good point. Nelda, you have anything to add to that? I do not. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, you know, we are an at-risk population, no doubt, in many ways when you look at statistics, but just like in a lot of other, other statistics that they show about West Virginia, what they're missing is how much we do care about each other and our neighbors and how much we're going to take care of each other by staying home, washing our hands, staying off our face. If you think you have it, not going around, reaching out to folks you've been around if you do think you have it. Um, those are all great things. I appreciate what you guys are doing, Nelda Grimes, Sean Thorne, and a whole team of folks that are working as well. Um, I'm really grateful you came on the program today. Um, you know, if we'll, we'll see as things go, maybe we'll, we'll try to get you back on. If there's more than anything you want to come on and talk about, you let me know. We're happy to do it, but just uh, grateful for your time to come on here, but more so grateful for all the work you and so many others are doing in the county to try to, uh, to prevent this thing from, from uh, really going crazy in our community. So thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.